Welcome to 11 Cats Radio. Have you ever wondered how a cat's perception of the world might differ from your own? Well, put your cat glasses on and find out what cats want you to know as we explore their world through their eyes. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, a healthcare and patient advocate for people and an advocate, not only for my cats, but for you and yours and for cats everywhere. Enjoy the next few minutes with us where we believe that a cat is not just a cat. Well, lately I've been forced, thank goodness, to reevaluate how and what I feed my cats. My indoor cats are on a raw and canned diet, but I have a few outside cats born to a feral mom. They just won't come in and stay, so feeding them and not the raccoons and skunks has become quite a challenge. It all started with a pregnant mother, feral, and this was prior to my knowing anything about cats. In order to help her out one winter, we did what most brainwashed consumers would do, and we purchased dry cat food. Well, sadly, she grew up on it, and so did some of her offspring. Recently, however, I was blessed when one of her girls, Tippy, hurt her paw. I managed to pick her up during the most freezing below zero day to get her to the vet. I cared for her paw until it was healed, thinking that when she felt better, she would want to go back outside to her mother and siblings. But no, she told me she had no intention of returning and was quite happy and warm and spends much of her time actually lying next to me with her paws wrapped around my arms, quite like a human. She lays on her back, her head next to me, just hugging. It's a really special bond. But just a few weeks ago, however, I noticed her going to the litter box every few minutes, straining to pee, then leaving and sharing small drops of urine all over the place. So I researched intensely and brought her to the vet. A urinalysis showed a bit of blood in her urine, a high pH, meaning she had alkaline urine, and the addition of struvite crystals. Now, I'm not going to go into all of that today, but it will be a topic for another time. So I tell you this abbreviated story about Tippy because it got me to study and realize once and for all the importance of a cat's diet. A Facebook group about cats and urinary issues led me to a company that makes a powdered additive that completes raw meat, making it appropriate nutritionally to feed a cat. All you have to do is grind up raw chicken, turkey, whatever protein you choose, add this special concoction and some water and you're good to go. A species appropriate diet and no dry kibble, which I am continuing to work to give to my cats outside as well. So right now I want to share just the beginnings of what you should know about feeding your cat. There is a lot of confusion around how often a domesticated cat should be fed. Most cats are either fed free, free feeding means the food is just left out all the time, or fed only once or twice a day, a convenience to the owner, both of which is the driving factor here. But is this good for the cats? Well, let's begin by looking at the science first. According to the National Research Council's nutrient requirements for dogs and cats, they say feral cats eat about 8 to 12 meals in any given 24-hour period. 
Their behavior is geared toward small, frequent meals, and they spend a great deal of their time actively hunting. Well, their digestive physiology is affected by their eating habits. Smelling food triggers a cat's digestive system to begin working and constantly smelling food as they do when freely fed and the food is left out all the time. This keeps that system primed and ready to go all day. Like all physiological functions, the GI tract, gastrointestinal tract, requires energy to operate. Constantly keeping it on pulls resources from other systems and depending upon the quality of nutrition that the cat routinely receives can cause problems including premature aging, poor coat quality, and chronic cystitis. In addition, a carnivore's digestive physiology has incorporated hunger as an integral part of its healthy workings. Indigestible solids are retained in the stomach until digestion of other food products is complete and it is, in fact, hunger pangs which propel this material forth. If the cat is never allowed to become hungry, the regulation of waste movement is compromised, leading to discomfort, hairball regurgitation, and other digestive motility issues. So clearly then, free feeding is not a healthy practice. And this does not even touch upon the lack of quality content in the kibble products, kibble meaning dry food, so readily available to these cats, or the many links between the content and today's leading feline disease and premature deaths. And for more on that, listen to a previous episode I did titled My Quibble with Kibble, and you can find that at 11catsradio.com. Now on the other end of the spectrum, the cat's stomach can't expand like the dog's to accommodate large meals, and cats can, and often do, regurgitate if fed too much at one time, as might happen with a cat who is only fed once or twice daily. And eating too fast, which cats tend to do when they are very hungry, can also cause discomfort and regurgitation of the meal. We've often heard of scarf and barf. Well, there you go. Also, if the cat becomes hungry, bile acids in the stomach increase in anticipation of a meal. If this goes on for too long or becomes concentrated enough, the cat is likely to become nauseous, provoking what many have termed hunger pukes, typically of a clear or foamy consistency. Now, what is too long? Well, that can vary with the cat. It can be as short as five or six hours without food. And unfortunately for some cats, this puking can start a spiral of discomfort that will throw a cat off food indefinitely. So there's many reasons to be thinking about how and what you feed your cat. And in all of these cases, even when the cat doesn't become actively sick, he or she is probably not feeling quite as comfortable as they should. Now, as Dr. Lisa Pearson notes on her site, catinfo.org, the frequency of a cat's meal impacts the pH of her urine. And this doesn't seem like it's a big deal. So what? I didn't know much about urine and pH either. But something called postprandial alkaline tide refers to the increase in urine alkalinity that follows the ingestion of a large meal. The pH can change that can then lead to the formation of painful and potentially deadly struvite crystals. So eating smaller, more frequent meals, mimicking their instinctive hunting behavior, 
naturally helps maintain a cat's pH in the normal range, which is about six or six and a half. Now, finally, a study published in a the uh, Journal of Animal Science says the effects of feeding frequency and dietary water content on voluntary physical activity in healthy cats determined that more frequent meals had a positive impact on feline activity, making weight loss and maintenance easier. And that's an important fact given the 90% increase in feline obesity cases over the last five years. And interestingly, again, this study showed that a high moisture diet was more beneficial for cats than a dry one. So obviously then feeding only once or twice a day is not a good idea. So how often should a cat be fed? Well, the answer is a minimum of three times a day for adults, four if you can manage it, and at least four times a day or more for kittens. Three times a day is easy to do if you feed shortly after you get up in the morning immediately after you get home from work, and then the last thing before you go to bed at night. Now, if your schedule doesn't allow this, you might want to pay someone to come by during the day or purchase many of the timed feeders available on the market today, several of which are capable of disseminating canned or raw foods. You just don't want to feed kibble. Problem with raw is that if it sits out all day, then it becomes tainted. So something you need to think about and plan for. Now, this is a side note and an important one. Animal protein, not the quantity of food, is the trigger that tells your cat he or she is full. Now, that is a hugely important statement. I'm going to say it again. Animal protein, not food quantity, is the trigger that tells your cat that he or she is full. So what this means is that until your cat ingests an adequate amount of recognizable animal protein, they will continue to feel hungry and given the opportunity, will consume far more food than would otherwise be necessary. So if that food is out all the time, you can see what's going to happen. Compounding this issue is the negative effect of a high carb diet that it has upon protein absorption thus requiring more food and the concurrent ingestion of more carb calories to satisfy your cat's hunger. Wow. So it's simple to see that a quality animal protein will solve this problem, not more kibble. It's easy to see how today's predominantly high-carb, low-protein cat foods almost always lead to feline obesity and the practice of free feeding simply exacerbates the problem. And while I'm emphasizing certain points, hear this one. Although cats can use some carbs for metabolic energy, their ability to swap protein utilization for carbs is so severely limited that they will cannibalize the protein in their own muscles to meet their basic daily needs. If their diet does not contain enough, they will cannibalize their own protein in their muscles to meet their daily needs. How sad is that? Now here's an important point as well. Never fast a cat. If your cat doesn't eat, don't just say, sorry, not eating, okay? Unlike dogs whose hunting behavior includes gorging and fasting, fasting is an unhealthy practice that is unnatural to cats. At a minimum, it will cause a seriously hungry and uncomfortable cat and at worst, 
it can provoke a case of hepatic lipidosis. It's one of the most common feline liver diseases or fatty liver disease and can rapidly lead to serious complications and even death, especially or even in cats that are overweight. So feeding at least three scheduled low or no carb canned or raw meals a day will go a long way toward keeping your cat's digestive system healthy, strong, and working at peak efficiency. And should you choose to go raw, which I hope you do, remember, raw food is not at all like canned food. Raw food is minimally processed, and it must be thought of as you would if you were transitioning yourself as an adult human from never having eaten any fresh fruit or salad to a diet that is only fresh fruit or salad. Your body will most likely freak out if you switch it all at once. You must give your GI system time to adjust. Imagine if you are a vegan and all of a sudden you eat at an all-you-can-eat barbecue. How would you feel? Yes, you'd probably feel like you ate a brick and most likely quite sick. Well, it's same for our little kitties. If you transition them too quickly, you simply have to expect problems, which is why a slow controlled transition makes sense. So there you have it, a little thought-provoking segment today on feeding your cats. Well, I gotta go. Gotta grind some chicken. Thank you for joining us at 11 Cats Radio. I am Pat Rulo. Grateful that you choose to advocate with me. Until next time, visit 11catsradio.com and give your cat a kiss from me. And remember, accepting a cat into your life is a lifetime commitment.